Good morning, everybody. All right. It is nice to have the smaller family group together, so fun. It feels good. Welcome, everybody. I bet all the sunscreen in, the, in this town is sold out. I think everyone is south of the border. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. I have to say, it is amazing. It's almost like Lisa reads my notes before she prays sometimes. I know, I know. Uh, but man, um, yeah, exciting. Uh, it, is, it is one of those times our family discovered when we first moved here seven or eight years ago when spring break happened, and we, uh, we thought, oh, great, everybody's going to be hanging around and school's out and, the, you know, and, and then Elk was like empty, like nobody, you know, and then the next year we tried to go, we thought we'd go to Santa Fe, and that didn't work because it snowed there, uh, so we just went to more snow, but, uh, you know, we've done all kinds of things since then, but um, I have to say, I'm really enjoying it because compared to last year, this is awesome. I, it could be terrible and it would be awesome. I wouldn't care. So I'm, re- I'm just happy for where we're at. Um, so let's, let's just, uh, just want to take a deep breath and be thankful that God is, is moving us towards healing and uh, health. So excited about that. We're in this series called Above All Else, which you saw that short little a video clip for that Tyler put together for us. Uh, this is a series that is taking us through the book of Colossians, this letter that Paul writes to the church at Colossae, but that church was struggling because they had so many ideas coming in and, and filling them and, the, and that they were born into this culture that they were totally a part of and they wanted to accept all these other ideas. It was just natural to them, just like us. And that's exactly what you were praying about, Lisa, just that there is a truth There is something that God has provided, he has made for us, and it's everlasting, it's eternal, past, and future. And he wants to be sure the church is grounded in that, and that's what we have to be grounded in. We're going to talk about that today. So our Colossians series will go until sometime in the early summer, we'll start a a series in Acts that will take us into the fall. But every month we're punctuating that with a series on uh, spiritual practices. So last week, uh, Eric talked about Uh, silence and solitude. And if you didn't hear that, I would really encourage you to take a listen. Uh, Really appreciate what he had to say from the word. And um, this week, I had a chance to go away for a couple days. And I I really tried to apply what he said about listening to God. Like a lot of times when I take solo retreats, which I do frequently, um, to try to get time with the Lord alone, I kind of write out what I think he's saying to me. And I tell him, is this, you know, this is what you're saying, right? And it's kind of my list of wants and my prayer and stuff. And this time, I really tried to, to in silence and solitude, listen, which was what uh, Eric was saying is a major part of that. And so I, I would encourage you, if you haven't heard it, go check it out. It's online. Uh, it was really helpful to me personally. And, and we all need to go deep uh, into the water uh, that is the water of life, and that's Jesus. So that's what that is about. So today, uh, Paul has written this book, uh, this letter. It's a uh, it is an encouragement to put Christ above all else. And one of the ways that we do that is, is something that's uh, um, hard for all of us, and that is to move forward in maturity in our Christian life. We need to be more mature in Christ, to grow up into solid food, to walk with him on our own, walk with him in fellowship. We need to grow up, and that's what he wants to do. That's what he's talking about. That's what we're going to focus on in these passages we're going to look at today. Um, but we have to be honest, I have to be honest with myself and, and what I observe with Christians in general. 
we're notorious for just going far enough. Just enough. Like, I don't want to look any further because I might find out something about Jesus that makes this harder. Or just far enough, I want to, um, I don't want to dig in too deeply. It feels good where I am. So I'm going to stop there. This is the information I have. We, we just don't continue to press into the depth of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Uh, when we don't mature in Christ, we are more subject to the philosophies and the ideas of our culture. And don't, don't ever hear me say that we are against our culture. We're not against our culture because then we'd be against ourselves. We are the culture. Christians are a huge part of the culture of the West, not just the United States, but of the West. And so we have to own that and live in it, and we need to follow Jesus in a secular community. All right? So that's what Paul is writing to you. It's so similar. So I want to encourage you, take this challenge to heart. If nothing else that you hear from me today, I would hope that you hear this. Uh, we need to mature in Jesus. So the setting of this letter, Paul's writing from prison. Prison because of his faith. Think about the, where that is. I keep trying to put myself in a place where I'm like so sold out to Jesus that I would be convicted and go to prison for what I was doing. He's, he's concerned that people are bringing in this synchristic idea of uh, amalgamating a bunch of religious ideas, creating their own religions about what, and what makes them happy. They only go up to a certain level with Jesus. They bring in some of this, some of this. We've talked about this for a couple of weeks. And we'll continue to because it's what's happening in this church. It, it, not our church necessarily, but this church. Uh, there was this uh, libertine idea. This, uh, it was a, you, you just choose... Um, how you want to live, and God will work it out in the end. We, we got a pretty good idea. It's kind of a little G God, a medium-sized, if there's a medium-sized G God, and we'll bring him in as, as, as long as it feels good and we're comfortable with it. Um, but uh, what I want to do is encourage us to move beyond that into maturity in Jesus. And believe it or not, uh, and I'm going to have to hurry through these, I have six points today. That's twice the number of normal, this is, uh, but in the same amount of time. So I'm going to really have to rush to get it done. I, they are shorter, I think. Um, but these points come from this passage I want to read to you. This is from uh, chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, which Parker read to us. By the way, Parker is our uh, young adult's intern. I don't know if you've... Yeah, um, he is an awesome guy. If you need to hire someone, he's coming out of the business school down in Western. Oh, no, I mean after the summer. After the summer. You can have... Parker needs some work, and we want, we want him in the valley. Parker's going to work for Adventure Experience uh, this summer, assuming they hire him, after the reference I wrote. I wrote a terrible reference for you so that you would stay in town. Uh, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Therefore, these are my points. As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Okay? So here's my points. Uh, we, we mature in Christ together. We do it by walking with him, by being rooted in him, by being built up in him, established in our faith, in abounding in thanksgiving. All right? Those are our points that we're going to run through. That is how we mature in Christ. Together, walking, rooted, built up, established 
and abounding in thanksgiving. Now that I've read those in a line, let me read you the passage again. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you are taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So we mature, number one, together. A community is essential to mature in Jesus. We cannot mature outside of a community of other believers. And that's why at OB Joyful, we say in our DNA, we go together. It is the top level of what we're about. Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but in the passage, would you, would you put that passage back up? It doesn't actually say uh, anything about being together. It doesn't say that in the, at the beginning. It says, do all these things together. But if you were to look behind the English and see that in the original language, each one of those action words is plural. And it means that you all do these things together. It's a very Texan passage. Y'all do this. So, uh, y'all walk in him. You all uh, are be rooted in him. You all together do these things. Every single one of them as we go through this is a plural that applies to everyone together. He's not saying you individually do this, though that is true. He's saying all of us together do these things. And y'all coming out of this COVID thing, we have got to come together. We've got to be together. It's critical. And it's so, I have to admit, I love people. I love being with people. I can be with people all the time. Uh, my wife is a little different than that, but she, she needs a little bit of time away. But I don't care if I'm surrounded. I have gotten to the point where I'm really comfortable being alone. I've been like, in, and there's nothing wrong with being alone. That's good. But we've got to find a time. We've got to intentionally come together in, with Christ. It doesn't have to be on Sunday morning, but it needs to be in the fellowship of other believers. Uh, and it's tough to do. In fact, uh, it, however tough it is, is not really the point. Uh, Tim Keller said in this message, I heard him give one time, he said, without community, there is no gospel. Without community, there's no gospel. Now, I had to sit back and think about that for a long time. One thing I have learned is that the gospel is all about restoring community, restoring fellowship between humans and the Godhead, right? That is what, that is what it is about. And then the church is the outgrowth of that. This is, the, this is that thing that he has given that provides fellowship that is the, the unifying uh, expression of who Jesus is in the world and what God is doing, um, it, it's most often the church, the fellowship, this community we need, described as a physical body, like eyes and arms, hands, fingers, uh, feet. That's the idea that the, the scripture uses to express that. But it also um, explains, explains it like a building, like Jesus is the cornerstone and we are all stones that put this thing together. We need to be butted up against each other, really close, built on each other. Um, being in community requires an effort. It requires humility, commitment, setting aside preferences. It, it requires forgiveness all the time. That's just how it works because we're all human. Um, you know, uh, all of us probably know that aspens grow together, right? They're, one tree will put off a whole bunch of other trees, and then pretty soon you get this thing I understand is over a little bit west of here that is like the biggest organism in the world or something. I was asked my science teacher, um, and by weight, it's like, I read it, it's like 300 billion pounds or something, you know, so it's way bigger than any other, you know, whale or anything like that. Um, and uh, I've noticed, though, uh, as you, like, if you're hiking around or riding, you're like, especially you can see it up on, like, uh, the upper loop up right up here. You can see there are different stands of aspen trees that are all together, but they're different families. 
They're in different, I'm going to call them church groups. And when you go up there, look again, there's some that are healthy, some that have a bunch of dead trees in them, some that uh, are stumpier, some that are much taller and the branches are really high. That's the part that I'm in. Um, there's, uh, there's all kinds of families of these things that are up there that are all together. Their DNA, actually their DNA is identical. All of them that are in that group, I think they're called clones, right? So um, it's not that we need to be clones, but what we have to realize is that in Jesus, we are deeply connected at the root level and we have to fight for that. We have to be connected in community. This is something we do together. Um, I, uh, when the church that I came, was at before I came to OB Joyful um, was, uh, we had a, a kind of a, a, when I first went there in 1990, I was only five years old. I'm just kidding. I was like 30. But um, I, w- I went and we had a fairly famous uh, Bible teacher that was our uh, preacher all the time. He was just the teaching uh, pastor. And so he, would, he was around, but he would, that was his job. He wasn't pastoring all the time, just teaching. And because he was famous, people would come from all over Dallas to the church. And it was, uh, so it attracted a lot of big-name people for, some, for that reason. And uh, there was a, some, some two dudes that did a radio show. You guys remember Menneth and Meyer, if you're old enough. Um, they were at the church, and I got to know their kids were in the youth group and stuff. And uh, uh, Frank Menereth, they were psychologists, and they would do this psychology show, Christian Perspective. It was when Christian psychology was coming up. But one thing that I really struggled with with Frank was that he said, um, and he may have changed his point of view now, I don't know, but um, he said, hey, my family can have church by itself. We don't have to come to this event. So we can be gone for months at a time and then come back. We don't have to be together with the body. And I didn't know anything. I was just starting seminary. I didn't know anything about scripture, really. Just what I, you know, heard in church. And something struck me as wrong about that. Um, and look, I'm not trying to condemn him or anything. He, he put his point, points of view out there. Uh, and, and he point, put this one out there. And I just, I knew something was not right. I knew that we had to be together. We have to be in fellowship, friendship, connected at the root so that DNA can grow out together. We cannot be alone all the time, separated all the time. We have to come together. So I know you're hearing me, um, and I'll, I'll let it go, but we do this together. All of these things, all, six, all five other things are about being together. So the next thing we do to mature is we walk together. Can you tell I'm hurrying? I don't know if I'm going too fast. I feel like I'm really rushing. Um, Walking with Jesus is one of the coolest concepts, I think, in the scripture. And it comes up time and time again. Now, I, I often will say, hey, I'm walking through this with someone. And if I, I was kind of processing that. I was thinking, when I say I'm walking through something with Claire, or I'm walking through something with a friend, it usually indicates that maybe there was some kind of difficulty. Do, do you know what I mean? I, I, wouldn't necessarily, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily say it unless we were trying to overcome a challenge in some way, but it also indicates sort of a long-term perspective. We are going to press ahead. We're not running. We're not jumping over things. We're walking through this. And so I I know we all get the idea of this metaphor, but I think it's a beautiful one to understand what it is we're doing together. We're walking with Jesus. So let me ask you this. Are you walking with Jesus? Can, if you spend some time alone with God and you're listening, what would he say about how you are walking with Jesus? 
Paul says it this way. He says, uh, just as you've received Jesus, so walk in him. How do we receive Jesus? By faith, right? Faith is revealed in action. Walking requires action. It's an action word. It's simple to receive. It's a simple idea, but it's challenging to walk because sometimes we're walking in the rain. Sometimes we're walking uphill. Sometimes the end of the hill doesn't, keep, doesn't come. You think it's going to be right up there, and it's not, and then you think it's going to be right up there, and it's not. It's dark. Sometimes it's muddy. Sometimes it feels like we're walking through broken glass with Jesus and with each other. Uh, sometimes it's gradually down, downhill and flowy and smooth and beautiful and the aspens are all around you and that's awesome. But a lot of times walking is a process and it's challenging and we need to mature by walking with Jesus together. Now, another thing we need to note is that walk is often, and you, if you're looking at it in your Bible, you may have a different translation, and the word uh, often is translated to behave. So walking can also be behave. And uh, moving from walk to behave seems a little bit more intense. Uh, there's more purposefulness behind it. It means that someone is superintending what's happening, and it means that there's obedience involved, actually setting aside what we want for something else, something better, when we behave, when we, do, when we obey. Um, uh, Soren Kierkegaard said something I wanted to throw up for you. He says, uh, it's hard to believe or walk because it's so hard to obey. I'm just going to leave it and let you think about it, but it's a pretty deep statement. Uh, when we walk, we mature with Christ. Uh, but it's a challenge to be a follower of Jesus and walk with him and behave. But evaluate yourself. Are you walking with Jesus? Are you behaving? Um, are you obeying? All right, so we have uh, together, we are walking, and now we need to talk about being rooted. We mature by being rooted in Jesus. Um, it's another, it's a great metaphor, uh, kind of goes along with those trees, that idea. It, it implies health a firm attachment to the truth. Um, it's a great picture, being rooted. Uh, a lot of times, actually, uh, Larray, we've, we've talked about, you know, this idea in the past, like how Obi Joyful is rooted in this community. But even more than rooted in this community, Obi Joyful is rooted in Christ. And each of the believers and followers of him here are putting that taproot into the water of Christ, that, that living water that is him. And I, I don't know, another tree thing, if you've ever walked around town here, you'll see that some trees that are in the yards of the houses around here are healthier than others. You ever notice that? If you're like me, I, I'm always looking at trees and plants and stuff. And uh, uh, so don't look at our trees because they're not so healthy. But uh, when you're walking around, sometimes you will see a tree that is just lush, like a, an evergreen that is lush, like it, it doesn't look like it's going to hurt you if you touch it. It doesn't look dried up. It's just like full and... and um, it's, the color is great. It, the branches are all shaped well. It's just a beautiful tree. That tree, you can also see out in the woods. Every now and then you'll see a healthy tree and some unhealthy trees that can be really close. Those healthy trees have a root that's getting right into the water. Without that constant feeding of water, those, the trees that don't have that are dry, they're brittle, they're prickly. They're, you don't want to necessarily go near them. They're, near them. they're pretty, but they're not what uh, they can be if they're tapped into the, that, the water that they need so badly that provides for them all the time. When we're rooted in Jesus, I think that's a great image. 
uh, go, when you're walking around town, walk out uh, around some of the other blocks from, Main, the, from Elk and you'll see uh, some of these super healthy trees uh, that are just uh, uh, richly tapped in with their roots to what they need most. Um, let me read to you this. This is from two, Colossians 2, 2 and 3. Paul says, I'm writing that there are our hearts might be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the fullness of assurance, all, all, to reach all the riches of full assurance, of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. These are the things that draw us together, that we reap out of the, that living water that comes to us. Did you see all that stuff knit together, reaching the full uh, riches of full assurance, full understanding and the knowledge of Christ. That's all really good stuff. And as believers, as a family, we need that. So I'll ask you this. What are you rooted in? What are you really rooted in? What are your roots going to? What are they going out and trying to find? And are you being filled by that stuff? Or are you really rooted in Jesus? in the living water. Are you really rooted there? I mean, why be anywhere else? Because your heart could be encouraged, knit together in love with other believers, experiencing the riches of the full assurance and understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Jesus. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are there. What are you rooted in? Okay, we do these things together. We walk, we're rooted, we're built up. We're built up. So, to be built up is to have strength to withstand what's coming at you. And Paul's, as we said, really concerned about this, like what Lisa was praying for, that there is a lot of what could be called alternative truth out there that we need to be careful about. Let me read to you just a few places where Paul brings this up. This is uh, Colossians 2.4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. And I want you to, I want you to be built up so you're not drawn away by plausible arguments. And then in 2.8... See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Jesus. And then in 2.18, so all of this in chapter 2, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going into detail about visions, puffed up with, without reason, pumped up with, bleh, puffed up, without reason, by his sensuous mind. So Paul gives this huge grab bag of different places that we could be getting information uh, about relational, uh, rational ideas, philosophical ideas, tradition that's coming in, physical like disciplines that cause us to move in certain ways, spiritual things and sensual things. That kind of covers the whole thing, I think. Right? And these are all of the ideas that come to us in our postmodern secular society. Because we look out and we say, hey, it's okay if I only bring some of the God of the universe, Yahweh, into this, because I'm also going to bring all these other good things in as well and create my synchronistic, my synchristic uh, idea of what is good and what is right. We cannot choose our own reality, but everything around us tells us that we can. Everything around us. This is the new postmodernism. We can choose. We can rewrite and make it the way we want. There is no final authority. There are just options. Uh, one time uh, when I was young, I went to uh, 
Astro World, which is in Houston, which is like Six Flags. I guess, I don't know if it's still there. Is Astro World still there? Anybody now? Gone. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I remember I loved Six Flags. I loved Six Flags. I had the map of Six Flags hanging in my room. I don't know why I love Six Flags so much. Um, I only went once a year. And, but I, I knew, every, anyway, we, I, I loved that place. I was there with my aunt and uncle, and we were leaving. And it was just an afternoon where there weren't a lot of people there. It'd be like around here today. Like, we went out, and it just wasn't, you know, there's usually a huge line in every ride you want to go when you're a kid. We're leaving. It's, I remember it was uh, late afternoon. I can't, I'll never forget it because it was hot. It's about four or five. Um, but it was Houston, so. And the, there was a ride called the Spindle Top. And the spindle top is named after this uh, big oil uh, discovery in East Texas many years ago. And so it's this tall thing, and inside it is this big barrel. And what it does is it presses you up against the wall, you know, and then the floor goes down. And I, I thought that ride was awesome. It's awesome if you ride it once. Because when I came out, I, I don't know how old I was, maybe fifth grade or something. Um, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's just like three kids lapping that thing. So I got in there, and my cousins weren't back from wherever, you know, if they're going to get, like, uh, pink things or something. And so I ran up there, and I lapped that thing. And there's some, you know, 20-year-old guy up in there, no offense. He's like, this is hilarious. Why don't y'all turn upside down, you know, <laughs> over and over. And I think I wrote it five times. And when I came out, and I remember I thought, oh, that was the great... It was not great. Um, it was terrible. And it was hot. And it was that, uh, you know, black concrete. And I was sitting there with my head between my knees and I wanted to throw up and I felt so bad and dizzy. I was walking sideways. It was terrible. I could choose that, yes. There was no line. There was minimal oversight. It made me feel good. I wanted to feel good. I hadn't had a chance to do that. It was really fun for a minute. And then it wasn't because there were clear rules of why that does not make you feel good when you choose that to be a part of your life on a regular basis. Um, I could not create an alternative reality just because I wanted it. Untruth will always be broken on truth. It will always smash against truth in the long run, and truth will overcome. And the truth is in the riches and knowledge and depth of Jesus, not anywhere else. Everything else is on top of that. Paul wants us to be built up uh, almost like uh, a training event so that when those decisions come and we want to make a bad decision, we're strong enough to avoid it. And y'all, that is just such the story of my life. Here comes a bad decision. I'm like, huh, bad decision. If I was just stronger in the word, stronger with Christ, walking in community, open and vulnerable with other people, transparent, accountable, what would happen? My, I would have listened to my aunt and uncle who said, you probably shouldn't do that eight times or five times or whatever, you know. Um, because there, there is a wisdom in the community of going together and being built up together. And that's how we mature. 
Okay, five, unless I've skipped over one. We're, we walk together, we're rooted, we're built up, we're established. And that may sound a lot like being built up, and it is. But uh, I think it, it be, when he says be established, um, it colors in the message a little, bit, a little bit more in that he wants us to be fully confident in Christ. Paul wants us to know the, ex- the assurance of our faith. Both of these things, uh, being established and being built up, are in uh, our faith, it says. See, in those days, there were mystery religions. And that was the thing where sometimes it was an offshoot of Christianity. Sometimes it, other these, sometimes it was other kinds of ideas that were coming in. And people, like I said, were choosing. And these mysteries made them sort of appealing. And you would have knowledge that other people didn't have. Right? And so that's what they were going after. And, and that was the appeal of these things. But I love how Paul addresses this. I don't know if you notice it. But he said, hey, yeah, there's a mystery the mystery is in total Jesus. That's it. This is the mystery. That is the full mystery. There is nothing hidden about following Jesus, about knowing God through knowing him and being uh, through faith in him. Uh, it's just mysterious and surprising that God would go to such lengths for such messed up people. That's, that's what's mysterious. There's no extra hidden info. So we can be established and confident in our faith. There's nothing hidden. It's all here for us to dig into. So five points. Uh, putting it all together. And let me ask uh, the, our musicians to come back up, and I'll, I'll just close here. Um, together we walk in him. We're rooted in him. We're built up in him. Uh, we're established in our faith in him. Uh, and that final critical step to maturity is something, again, that we do together, abounding in thanksgiving. Uh, for some reason, well, let me say it this way. Uh, when, I th- when I think about the goodness of our God that would do all of these things for us, that would provide a pathway to find peace and hope and joy in relationship with him, restored community, and have the most beautiful community that we can possibly have, which is the church when it's functioning correctly. Um, I'm blown away that he would do that for me, that he would do that for people who continually reject him, want to choose our uh, uh, lustful and wicked desires over him all the time. But though we turn our backs on him, uh, even, as Paul says in this same book, we were, when we were dead in our trespasses, he makes us alive. Even though we want to be filled with all the things and be made alive through all the things that the world offers, he's steadfast and patient with us. And to him, we give abundant thanks. And that's what we're going to do now with you guys. So thanks.